a couple of short weeks from Christmas Eve. We do have a Christmas Eve service planned, and I hope that you will make uh, worshiping God a part of your Christmas Eve. Um, it truly is, uh, in my opinion anyway, the best way to celebrate Christmas, worshiping the one who is, as they say, if you've read the bumper sticker, the reason for the season. So, our gospel comes to us from uh, Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Let me read it to you really quickly. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Ituria and Traconitus, and Lysanus, ruler of Abilene, not Texas, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. So as I was looking at this passage from Luke, I thought it might be interesting, thought it might be fun. Of course, my idea of fun is different from a lot of people's idea of fun. But I thought it might be fun to look at the minor prophets, including Malachi, to see what they foretold about the advent or the coming of Christ. And this passage that Cindy read from Malachi was one of the interesting ones. It, it, it's a prophecy about the coming of the Messiah. It's a, it's a prophetic word that foretold also of the coming of John the Baptist, the one crying out in the wilderness, saying, prepare the way of the Lord. In Malachi 3.1, it says, Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And so we see there that Malachi is referring to John the Baptist, who called people into repentance. He, he was appointed to the office of messenger of God. His mission was to prepare the way in the hearts of people for the advent, which means coming, the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so, as Luke writes his scripture, he quotes Isaiah, one of the major prophets, if you remember your Bible school, that's Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. 
So there's this recurring theme in the Old Testament that translates to the New Testament about preparing the way of the Lord. And if John the Baptist was the messenger for the first coming of the Messiah Jesus, the first advent, then the question is, who is the messenger for the second coming, the second advent of Christ the King? Who is going to call people into repentance today? In other words, whose responsibility is it to proclaim the coming of Christ the King? Well, the answer seems to be obvious, but there are a lot of folks who just don't know that the messenger for the second coming of Christ the King is the church, the body of Christ. That's all of us. We're responsible for spreading the message of the coming of Jesus Christ the second time. We've been given this mandate. We call it the Great Commission. We're to be the voice crying out in the wilderness. And if we accept that we have the authority and the responsibility to proclaim the coming of Christ, we have to ask ourselves, am I doing my part? Am I pulling my weight? Am I fulfilling my responsibility? Are we effectively spreading the good news beyond these doors? I can tell you the good news from the pulpit, but I'm preaching to the choir. We've all heard it. We know it. The thing is, are we doing our part as ministers of the faith, which we all are, out beyond those doors? Are we walking out into the mission field of Splendora, Texas? And are we spreading the good news? Lots of questions during Advent. One of them is, are we as the church, as individuals, actively engaging the unchurched? Are we personally involved in the evangelical mission of the church? There's that E word again. Do we regularly invite people to invite Jesus into their hearts? These are all questions that we should continually be asking of ourselves, of our church, of our pastor, of our church leadership. We're all accountable to the great commission of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if we turn our attention to current events, we can see that the world out there is in desperate need of a Savior. I mean, do we agree on that much? I think we do. More than ever before, the world needs the church to stand up and be the church to the people out there beyond those doors. We need to be the voice crying out in the wilderness because frankly, there's far too much crying going on in the wilderness these days. In fact, there's far too much wilderness, spiritual wilderness, bleak, empty, hopeless wilderness out there beyond the doors. I mean, don't take my word for it. Just turn on the television. You'll see it. 
wilderness of people who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. In the responsive reading this morning that Tess read, Luke says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. See, God raised up a mighty Savior for us. That we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. And as a Christian today, you know it's not easy being a Christian in the world these days. That we would be saved from the evil ones and their evil schemes. Those schemes that seek to deprive of us of, of life and liberty. That we would... Be saved from the false prophets trying to lead us down pathways that ultimately lead to our destruction. Why did he do that for us? Well, verse 74 says that we being rescued from the hands of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. In other words, he saved us from our adversaries so that we might be free to serve him without Fear of consequences. So that we would serve him boldly, confidently, purposefully. So that in verse 76, we might go before the Lord to prepare his way. Why? To give knowledge of salvation to his people for the forgiveness of their sins. See, we have a mission. And out there is our mission field. And he didn't... Give us a spirit of weakness and timidity, as it says in 2 Timothy. He gave us a spirit of power and love and discipline so that we might boldly serve him without fear, so that we would confidently proclaim his gospel, so that the people would be made aware of the salvation that he brings. If you fear the spreading of the gospel... That fear is of your own making. Because the spirit that God gave you is one of power and love and discipline. What's the end game here? Verse 79. The purpose is to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. See, the goal is to bring those people who don't have a relationship with Jesus into a relationship with Jesus. That's the purpose of the church. It's not just to come here and sing pretty songs and then go home and not put what you believe into action. You're all activists for Christ. You might even say you're all radicals for Christ in the world. Because what you believe is radical to 85% of the population out there. 
See, the first advent had its messenger to proclaim to humankind the good news. That was John the Baptist. Proclaiming the second advent is up to us. And so my message to you today is go be a messenger. As the song says, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ was not only born, but that he died and he rose again from the dead. And that he is sitting even now at the right hand of our Father in heaven. And from there, one day soon, and we don't know when, but we have to be ready now. But from there, he's coming to take his rightful place as King of kings and Lord of lords over all the earth and won't that be a joyous glorious day for those who are believers glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men father God those words the heavenly host proclaimed announcing the birth of your one and only begotten son And those words were not uttered to heads of state, nor to priests, nor to kings, but to lowly shepherds tending their flocks in the fields. And Father, he was not born in Rome nor Jerusalem, but in lowly Bethlehem of Judea, demonstrating once again that in your kingdom, Father God, the least shall be first. And neither was he born into luxury, but to Mary and Joseph, weary travelers seeking refuge in a manger. And he did not come in glory, but as a baby. The infinite becoming the infant so that scripture might be fulfilled. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And Father God, it is that peace that the world so desperately needs even now. This morning, just like thousands of years ago, our world is in need of a Savior. Father, there is apathy in the world, injustice, poverty, pain, violence. There is suffering on the earth. That which is wrong is held up as right. Evil is called good and good is called evil. Father, our our freedoms are trampled under the weight of oppression and the insidious scourge of the false religions of Marxism and humanism threatening all that fail to submit. But Father, the difference between the world now and the world before Jesus is that today, Through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we have our salvation. The work is done. The victory is won. As you said on your cross, it is finished. And so, Father, as we prepare our hearts and our homes for the celebration of the first advent, the first coming of Christ to the world, Help us to remember, to be ever mindful that there will be a second advent. 
when your son will once again come to earth, not as a helpless child, but in power and glory, and he will crush Satan and his followers under his foot, and he will reign forever and ever. Father, we thank you for the blessed hope that you through your grace and mercy have provided that through Christ we can be reconciled to you by faith. That if we will only believe in Christ crucified, died, buried, and resurrected, then we too are promised everlasting life with you. Father, let us always remember that Christmas is all about presence. That is the presence of Christ. Emmanuel, God with us, the divine made human so that the human could be restored to the divine. What a tremendous gift. What a blessed Savior. Son of God, Son of Man, in your holy and precious name we pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.